to the left, Bellegrini inside, Pizarro Golasso, Pizarro Golasso. Here's the goal scorer, Morgan, and he's done it again. Lewis Morgan with a second of the match. He won't even have to go. You can feel it in the air tonight. I'm not talking about Phil Collins. I am talking about our home opener is almost here. We are six days out as of right now. We will be five days out by the time this sweet podcast is hitting your ears. But what is up, everybody? I am Jay Kington, and welcome to the Inner Miami podcast. I have with me today Mr. Than Harrington. Than, how are you doing, my man? Yo, man, I'm just like you. I'm getting excited. I'm over here dancing in my seat. That intro gets me pumped up every time. Uh, I apologize for anybody on the highway. I may have almost hit when I've been dancing around, bopping around to that intro because, man, we are six days away. So, it, it, so it, close. It feels like Christmas morning and you know, you're just excited to get downstairs and see you know, what the parents have given you, what, if you believe in Santa Claus, what he gave you and you just hope for the best. And, you know, I think that's where we're all at right now. We, we certainly are. I, I keep setting these very short term goals just to, to keep my mind uh, distracted. And, um, you know, I know you don't have this, this pleasure this year, but I at least get to watch the champions league tomorrow and root for Chelsea. And then the, uh, the following day, I'll, I'll, I'll watch the Europa. I'll, I'll be pulling for you guys, but, uh, Dan's a diehard, uh, Manchester United fan. I'm a, I'm a Chelsea fan. We have a lot of fun in our, uh, chats about that, but we do have quite a bit of news to cover and, you know, I, I just I'm so giddy because I cannot wait to be at the stadium for the home opener that we all deserved. Unfortunately, it won't be maximum capacity, but it will be sold out to the season ticket holders, supporters groups and anyone else that was able and lucky enough to get a ticket to the game. Only 8000 people will be there, but we're going to be a rowdy 8000. You can bet your bottom dollar. Anyways. Let's get to some news that we need to hit. There's been, I mean, quite a bit. We, we've got, we finally got a stadium deal. We do have a sponsor on, um, not our kit, but I guess the second closest thing you can get. Um, the preseason was canceled as we spoke about. And then right after, I think the day we published our last episode, they announced that they were going to reschedule three games. And then they canceled some more games. We do have the uh, intra-squad scrimmage that did take place due to the Preseason game against Toronto FC being canceled. We're going to run through that, our thoughts on that, the lineups, and kind of what we can expect for Sunday uh, in the game against the Galaxy. We did lose a player, which caught me blindsided. We're potentially losing another, which everyone's probably aware of. We do have good news, though. We have some world, well, not world, but I guess regional uh, national team soccer that's going to be happening down here right in our backyard, right at our house. And then, of course, we've got some random team news around that, some uh, acquisitions for the front office, some updates on COVID-resistant players. And then, of course, we have Than here, who is the expert of the Academy in Fort Lauderdale CF teams in their season kicked off on Saturday. And we're going to talk about the result therein. But let's go ahead and just start from the top, buddy. Do you have any, anything else you want to say? No, let's get into it. All right. Well, the biggest news, well, not biggest news, but 
biggest news at the time was that they announced, uh, Inter Miami announced a stadium deal with AutoNation. This is going to um, really give them the naming rights to the stadium. And they entered a three-year partnership between AutoNation and Inter Miami. Uh, AutoNation is being one of America's largest uh, automotive retailers, if it's not the, the largest, honestly. Uh, this was announced on Friday. There were rumors that this was coming on like Wednesday and Thursday, but it was official on Friday. The stadium will be named the Drive Pink Stadium. That's D-R-V-P-N-K. That's in support of AutoNation's Drive Pink Initiative to Ooh, excuse me, to stomp out cancer. They've already raised over $26 million for the fight against cancer and about as good as close as we can get to an actual kit sponsor. This is also going to include the rights to branding on Inter Miami's training kits. So, you know, we do, I, I gotta, I gotta be honest, man. I wasn't sure, but I do like the, the, the look on them. What were your thoughts on those? Yeah, you know, I, I'm actually excited about AutoNation. Uh, I know there was kind of some groaning because we we're all uh, holding out for Cafe Bustelo. But, <laughs> uh, you know, AutoNation, I did some digging on them because as, uh, you know, up here in the Mid-Atlantic, I'm not too familiar with AutoNation. Uh, but I actually found out that in one year alone, they pushed all of their charity efforts and raised $11 million to fight cancer. Wow. And you don't see a lot of businesses and companies doing that. Um, I, I hope that Inner Miami sets the tone with AutoNation and maybe we can see some more naming rights going towards charitable um, organizations to help get their cause out there. Um, but I love that part. Uh, on the side of the kit, I thought it looked great. I mean, it definitely looks better than a certain club that has team viewer going on their kits next year. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah not talking about united kids or anything you could have but, the um, tire i think they're looking yeah, for one <laughs> yeah i think we'll pass on that one um but no it, it, it looks sharp um i definitely will be picking one up as soon as i can get my hands on one um yeah, i wonder how long it's going to take for like the the mass production to reach all the stores and everything with the branding on there yeah i mean who knows at this point i mean you know covid has still taking its toll on the logistics uh you know field so we'll see but as soon as i can get one i'm getting one and maybe it'll show inner miami that that pink kit is super popular and maybe we'll finally get that third kit we deserve yeah at some point they're gonna have to listen to all the fans because that's all anybody really wants is a uh, is a pink kit but this partnership also is going to include tv and digital exposure uh, while all donation will sponsor the saves feature during inner miami matches and you know, that saves features basically for each Inter Miami goalkeeper save auto nation and Inter Miami will donate, um, a set amount. I believe it's a thousand or 500 per save, whatever that may be. They'll donate up to a hundred thousand looks like each year directly going towards cancer research. Uh, again, that's going to happen annually. And, uh, actually for anyone listening, auto nation and Inter Miami are asking for fans to wear pink to the games and in support of the fight against cancer, uh, when the cancer month is, I believe it's October, if I'm not mistaken. Same thing yeah, the, you're correct. Like the NFL does, basically. Yep, absolutely. 
And I was actually, I was just driving by trying to sneak a peek to see if the Miami FC game was, uh, preseason game was, was happening. And of course that was canceled um, and the news broke shortly thereafter. But I did see a brand new, um, I guess for lack of better words, I would say statue, but I guess it's closer to a piece of artwork. It's basically a big pink cancer uh, ribbon that is uh, now right outside the stadium and it faces south. So it really looks good. And I think the part that a lot of people might be maybe overlooking is the reason this is so perfect, not because it's a, you know, a Fort Lauderdale based company, a South Florida based company, you know, not because they do a lot of good in the cancer research committee, but all those things are great. Don't get me wrong. But the thing that's got me most excited, it just makes the most sense. Their whole thing is pink. It's pink, pink, pink. They're shoving pink down your throat. They got pink cars. They got pink license plates, all pink. And what is Inter Miami? What are the, the Inter Miami community want? They want everything pink. So I think this makes perfect, perfect sense. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. A lot of the articles I was seeing online, you know, spoke to that fact. It, it was almost a perfect marriage of Auto Nation and Inter Miami. I mean, what other team across any sport is predominantly, or I shouldn't say predominantly, but it has a lot of pink in their uh, kits, crests, whatever mm-hmm. it may be. It, it just seems like this was meant to be from the get-go. And, you know, I, I'm kind of upset we didn't get it done last year, um, but I'm glad that this is what it came out to. Um, still holding out for Cafe Bustelo. I'm going to keep plugging them because they, they, got time. they, they can be the, they can get it in three more years, I guess. That's yeah, going to be at the... Least three. Go ahead. <laughs> I got through about three boxes of coffee of uh, Cafe Bustelo on my desk. Dude, that's that so bang, I, bang, man. <laughs> that's yeah, no that bang, bang. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I kind of feel, I feel a little dumb that I didn't realize how great of a partnership this would have been and why this would be a, a leading company down here to really get involved. Now, again, this is just for the training kits, the the stadium naming rights. So the, we still do have to get a, a sponsor. I guess I don't know why I said Cafe Bustelo could wait three years because they could still literally grab the first team kit right now. So uh, stay tuned on that. The club says they're very close to getting uh, an official deal in place for the kit sponsor, but we will see what happens. Uh, now, I did mention that, you know, I drove by the stadium. A game was canceled. We had a few kind of LOL moments of news on the last podcast that was corrected like literally the day that we actually published the episode so as you know we talked about last episode they canceled the last three preseason games for inner miami um however sure again shortly after we dropped our last episode inner miami announced that it actually scheduled three preseason games to make up for the previous three games that they had to cancel uh two games were scheduled against miami fc and a final preseason game that was scheduled against toronto fc which was to be hosted at now drive pink stadium and it was going to allow season ticket holders and the supporters groups into the stadium to watch the game and support the club however of course nothing really goes according to plan in these strange covid times the first game against inter miami uh, or sorry, against Miami FC was played on the uh, the seventh. This was a, a another closed door game, so we can't really get any details. But allegedly, Inter Miami won this game, and allegedly, Gonzalo Higuain scored the game winning goal. So that is at least good news to take away from that. The second one was canceled. The Toronto game was canceled, but it did bring us a pretty interesting 
um, set of circumstances here when we, when we get to the the intra squad scrimmage because preseason games are great, but you know unless you're getting a lot of heavy rotation, heavy subs, then you're not gonna be able to see everyone you want to see. So what was cool about this, and I was there, was that we had basically the first team versus the second team. And we got to see almost everyone on the club play with the exceptions of a few uh, players who were injured and or recently traded away. Not going to spill that. We'll get into that in a little bit of time. But then explain to everyone the the breakdown of the two squads, right? So you had a a white squad, a black squad, um, white heron and La Palma. But kind of give us a breakdown of... The, the the lineups uh and, and what your i guess overall feelings were with the scrimmage yeah absolutely so the first team squad which should hypothetically be the squad we see against uh the galaxy on sunday broke down as mccarthy in goal uh jones left back leered him right back lgp and fagal holding down the middle at center backs gregory and blaze matweedy center mids with and this was surprising to me, Robbie Robinson on left wing, with Pizarro at Cam, our boy Lewis Morgan right wing, and Gonzalo at striker. Um, yeah, it's a solid lineup. I, I definitely think it's a good day one of the season lineup. Uh, it leaves room for tweaks, but out of all the players we have right now, based off of fitness and cohesiveness, I think that's the best squad we could put out. And with the like impending sense of doom coming with this Miami four DP situation, which we're going to talk a little bit more in depth about the, the thing that was notable here is I really think that Neville knows what potentially is about to happen. And there's still a chance that, that it doesn't happen, but what stuck out to me here in this game and both teams were in a, um, a four, two, three, one formation. So basically same formation that we had under Alonzo. I was kind of wanting to see something a little different. I'd honestly like to see like three kind of truly at the back with, with a winger on each side. But what stuck out to me in this game is Robbie was playing on the left wing outside of his position. He's usually a center forward, but this actually gave him a lot more freedom. And I think as he settles in, as he gets more game time, one of the hardest things to adjust to is how quick the defense closes in on you. This allowed him to, to kind of get more comfortable. He actually was one of the, the the people that scored a goal in this game, but seeing his freedom out there and, and then having that like, wow, we can actually use him, right? Because for the most part, he was very underutilized for various sort of certain circumstances last season, whether it be stepping away for personal reasons or injury. Uh, but the, he was great as a winger. Blaze Matweedy was like a, a, a wild horse that you just let loose into the free range, right? Gregor was holding down the midfield and he uh, dished out a few beautiful assists, but Blaze started to be much more active. And then, of course, seeing our new backline operate together was was nice but um different look this year and what are your what's your kind of opinion on that with utilizing not so much Mateus but more Robbie on that wing I'm looking forward to Robbie getting out there and, and proving that he deserved to be as high of a pick as he was uh you know we've had plenty enough offline conversations 
where I've I've told you I've I've been extremely disappointed in in Robbie's playing time in what he showed. And granted, I could sit here and tell you that it was because it was first year and he was still getting used to it and all that. But I think this is the year he needs to make his mark. So if left wing is where he needs to do it, go after it. And I'm I'm 100% of uh, a Robbie Robinson fan. I'm not sitting here being doom and gloom about him. But he definitely, from the little that I saw, he looked more comfortable out there. Mm-hmm. He looked more fluid. He looked like the player we were expecting to get, not the shell-shocked version of Robbie Robinson we got last year. Yeah. But, you know, that could also be because he was coming right out of college and having to be a striker, you know, and, and really right away. I mean, they throw him, you know, out to the wolves or, or, you know, what have you. But that takes time to get used to being in that role. And that's a lot of pressure. You got a lot of high caliber players feeding you the ball. And I'm sure there's a lot of pressure to not make a mistake. Now that we have a veteran in Gonzalo Wayne that's running that role, this allows him to, to really... I think settle in and, and it's going to be very impressive to watch this year because yes, he didn't get nearly enough playing time to get the experience he needs to really grow. So there's got to be a way to do that. And it looks like uh, Neville really favors him in the squad and wants him in the, the starting lineup. So again, subject to change, this is a rough draft, what will look like, but now we also got to see what some of the, you know, reserves would look like some of the people coming off the bench. And, and so tell us about the, the, the black squad, La Palma. All right. So La Palma had Castanera, Brian Rosales, uh, Ryan Shawcross. Uh, he can do it in the rainy nights at Stoke. He can do it in Miami, uh, <laughs> Christian McCoon, my boy. And I'm telling you, he's going to do good things. Sammy Guidery. Uh, we had a guest cameo appearance from Harry Neville or Harvey Neville. I'm sorry, Harvey. It's my fault. Uh, you know, he's part of the greatest academy in uh, Europe. And Phil brought him over for a little vacation, said, hey, you want to play some football over here in the MLS? He's like, yeah, sure, Dad, whatever. Can I go to the beach afterwards? <laughs> uh, so Har- Harvey got a run out. Uh, Victor Uloa, Josh Penn, Federico, uh, our wonder kid, Edison Ascona. So good. And Pella Messi. Uh, for La Palma. Um, you saw more of the game than I did from what I saw just through highlights. I was I was thrilled uh, with Castanera. I know he was a big question mark. I loved what he did out there. Uh, I thought he looked comfortable between the sticks, especially going up against that, that studded lineup from the White Heron squad. I mean, to get thrown into that, now yes, I know he practices against them every single day. But it's when it's, when it's game time, it's a totally different mentality. Somebody that might, uh, like Mike Gonzalo might say, okay, yeah, here, I'm just going to give you an easy one for practice. And then in game, he's going to try to rip your head off. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially, you know, cause Gonzalo, like the rest of the roster has a lot to prove from how the season ended. So going back to the La Palma squad, I was, I was very, very happy with what we saw from our younger players. I mean, as Kona scored, he continues to score. He's, I think the best comparison you could have is he's a mighty mouse, man. He really he, he is. Just goes. He's like a he's like a little Vinka Olich. That's a throwback, exactly. like a like a short little fighter, though, dude. Like you, you don't expect that from a seventeen year old. He's five six, like one thirty, but like, dude, he'll, he'll throw down with you. I mean, he he stole the ball from Fagal and. 
a little bit of a shift inside the box and curled one in, you know, beyond, uh, beyond John McCarthy. It was very, very impressive. I uh, was happy with what I saw from, from Shawcross, even Josh Penn getting, you know, in there and, and active and, you know, he could, could have some potential as well. Uh, Federico, I mean, he's such a veteran, of course, he's going to hold it down. Uh, and then Mateus Pellegrini was really being active for obvious reasons, whether he's going to be with the squad or not, whether he's trying to prove his worth or not. There was a time where he, he did go down and the injury, uh, I heard someone behind say, damn, now we can't sell him. And, um, that's, that's typical Miami fans, uh, for you. What, what impressed me the most about uh, La Palma, the black team, was I, I really liked Rosales, who's active coming um, out of the back. But uh, Shawcross went off right after halftime, and uh, Ame Mibika came in. And, man, I, we are, you know, apparently we're, we're about to finally execute the deal. I guess they were waiting for some stuff to, to, to find out where he's going to be on the roster exactly. But he is every bit of big as I was expecting. I mean, just an absolute monster out there. He is athletic with the right, I think, uh, you know, coaching and conditioning and training. He could seriously be a threat. He can probably head a ball, you know, 12 feet in the air. Honestly, this dude is just an absolute monster. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do. I mean, hopefully he'll fill out that frame a little bit more. Uh, so he doesn't get pushed around, but even at what he's at now, he is more than capable of holding down his own. Uh, really excited that they're not making a mistake here by knocking on wood, hopefully getting the deal done. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, I'm glad to see he got a run out and I'm glad to see he did well because he was a giant question mark, at least in my mind, I know in yours as well as to what he was going to bring to the table. Yeah, and so obviously when first team goes against second team, we're going to expect first team to win. If, if that doesn't happen, that's really going to draw some concern. The game, basically, there was action right away. It didn't take long before uh, Robbie Robinson was able to, to head in a, a ball from a classic Lewis Morgan cross. Uh, shortly thereafter, Pizarro uh, hit a little shake and bake and shot um, across the face of the goal, drained the second one. That third goal was uh, Edison Escona towards the end of the first half where he stole the ball from Nico Fagald and bent it around McCarthy. Very, very impressive play overall from Edison. Uh, and then the third goal came in the second half when Kelvin uh, Leardem actually received a beautiful through ball from Gonzalo Higuain, but took the time to settle and slotted it past the keeper on a pretty tight angle. I was really impressed to see a defender with that sort of composure, right? Typically when defenders score, I feel like it's, it's a header coming off of a corner when they run up there. Uh, but to be able to do it with your feet and really keep a cool, calm head was very, very impressive. Absolutely. And we're going to need that as much as possible in front of goal. Uh, I mean, one of the keys obviously is put the ball in the back of the net and that's where we struggled. So if we have more players that are proven goal threats, we're not going to allow the opponents to draw down the one player, whether it be Lewis or Pizarro or uh, Gonzalo or Blaze. They're going to have to be worried about every player we put on the pitch. And uh, it, it gets me a little more excited. Yeah, it really will. And so we're going to get to this uh, next subject here. I'm at Mateus Pella, Pella Messi, Pellegrini. It looks like everything is pointing to him uh, leaving the club. 
due to basically we have four DPs because it sounds like the entire time Blaze was only going to accept that TAM deal for one year and he wanted it to be a DP after uh, after that. But the good thing is, you know, with Gregor on the team, Blaze is running more freely and it's, you, I mean, there's nothing wrong with, with using a, a DP on like a crucial CDM, right? That is a very, you know, much needed role in this league, but to be able to have him run and get into the attack more often than he was in the past year, something I'm very excited about, but back to Mateus Pellegrini, um, he, it sucks, man. It really does suck. I don't think he had enough time, but I do understand what has to happen. There are some uh, rumors now that some teams have been linked with him. There is a possibility that we're able to keep him under the new CBA under 22 rule, which actually affects um, can be under 23, I believe now. But that could potentially allow us to basically pay whatever we want towards him uh, without it counting as a DP player. But kind of give us a breakdown on what the situation is is gearing up to be. All right. So, I mean, as you already kind of touched on, you know, he was the quote unquote DP outcast. Thanks, Blaze. We're, we're, we're looking at you on this one. Um, but Mind you, like second being... person to sign for the team ever. It was like Carranza yeah. and then... And then Pellegrini, and he gets ousted by DP acquisitions. Well, I mean, uh, let's be honest here. If you're going to pick one, are you going to pick <laughs> Telemessi, or are you going to pick the World Cup winning Blaze Matuidi? In my opinion, I'd go with Blaze. I have nothing against Pellegrini, but eh, is what it is. Yeah, I mean, Anyways, it's not going to be Pizarro or Higuain, right? No, I it's mean, just, it's just it doesn't tough. matter how many. It does not matter how many COVID parties the Higuain brothers have. It's they're going to be on the team. They're going to be so on the team. I mean. It's tough because, you know, there's a chance you might loan them out. A, 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 a outright trade could occur, an acquisition. But what are the circumstances we're looking at? Okay. So the outright uh, trade could be to our new favorite club name, Club de Foot Montreal, uh, which, yes, for those of you listening, I did learn French and I do have a very good grasp on the speaking and pronunciation of it. So that was as good as you're going to get. Um, anyways, they could be a willing trade partner, uh, which would actually be almost ironic because Matthias would have to clean out his locker to just put his stuff in another locker about, you know, a hundred yards away. Um, for that's because Montreal not, will be playing out of Inter-Miami stadium this year out of drive yes. pink stadium. I will say that. Yes, I didn't even think about that. I mean, I figured cause they were close. They'd be maybe working on something like that, but Man, that's um, that's a lesson in in humility right there. Yeah, could, could you see how this is playing out? Like, hey, man, so we're gonna let you go. Can you move your locker down to the U twenty threes? And yeah, thanks for everything. Yeah, when you, you, you shake just, hands and say, oh, "See you around," <laughs> literally. <laughs> yeah, literally. Hey, I'll see you for lunch. Yeah, exactly. Um, he strolls back in the cafeteria with his new team. Yeah, and, and his new, brand new Montreal kit. Um, but I the do other like those kits, this, I will say that. I, the black ones are nice. Yes, absolutely. Uh, take a hint, La Palma. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, you know, Beckham would have to, he would have to deem Pellegrini worth it in the long term to, in order to keep him under that new uh, U22, U23 DP, whatever that is, um, which would require a lot of work on his side. And 
they would have to evaluate him and then sign him. But as soon as they sign him, they'd have to restructure his contract to make everything kosher to the MLS. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the commissioner doesn't have a freak out and drop the hammer on us for the whole blaze thing. Again, it's your fault, blaze. I'm looking at you. I'm telling you this is your fault. So (laughs) feel bad when you see Matthias leave. Let let him know how you feel, man. But you could loan him out for a year or two and you know who knows how long blaze or, or Iguain will be on the team maybe you know two three years i know Iguain signed through this season and then into like december of, of the following year um i would honestly kind of much rather prefer a loan just because uh i can be a little possessive and i don't want my guys just leaving the team but you know at the same time and you know what else could happen in two or three years at least all the rumors are saying and we're gonna get a little messy action down here, but who knows? Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I, for for your sake, I hope he stays because after what you know, I went through to get you out of the rut with the David Norman Jr. fiasco, I don't want to have to go through it again. Those are dark times, um, man. I was wearing a lot very, of pairs of sweatpants every day. It was really yeah, rough. Yeah, I, I think you personally drove up the stock in Ben and Jerry's. It was. I was, was only drinking LeBlanc Blue for mm-hmm. my Canadian brother. And okay. I was just, I was pouring one out every, every can just pouring one out for David Norman jr. Baby. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, plug a little bat right there. Um, <laughs> they, we, they don't sponsor we, us, but Hey, I'm, I'm not against Canadian beer. No, absolutely not. It's what I grew up on, man. Um, but you know, being serious, I would like to see Matthias also loaned out. I think he has the potential to be uh, a starter down the road. I think he has potential to do good things for the club. And as you said, who knows if some of these players are going to be around. A lot of the DPs we have, or a lot of the players we've been signing are on the older side. It would be nice to keep him even just out with an arm's length so we can say, hey, Matthias, it's your turn. Let's go. Mm -hmm. Uh, Rather than trying to haggle back for a player we sold and then have to pay more for him, which... That would that would infuriate me more than anything. I think. Chelsea uh, so might hopefully, Kaku. We'll see. Yeah, well, that's Pogba as well. So, um, but yeah, so let's let's hope he you know at least gets loaned out. We'll go from there. We'll we'll see what happens. Definitely it's out of our control. Look, yep. at the end of the day, we wish you the best, Mateus Pelomessi. I'll always call you Pelomessi. Your one goal that you did score was an absolute beauty. And now for some more, pour out one for your homies. We did lose a player i think in the grand scheme of things this he just for whatever reason neville wasn't wanting to feature him i guess in his intentions with the team but it will free up the spot we need for uh ame mabika uh as well as uh, marsman who they just made it official marsman has has signed his contract with the club so uh, we still we were basically at, at 29 waiting on Mabika uh, to be signed. So now that they've got Marsman, they're going to have to drop one player to get uh, him in there. And that was, unfortunately, our man, our third overall pick in the 2020 Super Draft, the first round. We're talking about Mr. Dylan Neelis. We have had him on the podcast. He is a friend to us. He is a very nice, humble human being. Uh, comes from a great pedigree. Two brothers played in the MLS. We wish him the best of luck, but this one, uh, this one kind of hurt. This one caught me off guard, and you know, I, I, it was almost like a, doing a double take, right? But Nashville acquired him. 
um, the deal is basically going to be a hundred and seventy-five thousand in general allocation money, and an additional fifty thousand if Dylan hits certain performance-based metrics. Um, he is signed with Nashville through the twenty twenty-one season, with options for the twenty twenty-two and twenty twenty-three seasons. But again, this one kind of came as an absolute surprise. How did you take that? Um, I got to be honest, uh, brutally honest here. I absolutely hate it. I think it's a terrible move. Um, Again, it comes back to what I just said about Pellegrini. We are aging in the wrong way on our roster. Yes, we have great talent at Fort Lauderdale. Yes, we have great talent in the academy. But, I mean, Breck Shea, 31. Ryan Shawcross, 33, which, yes, I know we just brought him in. Um, You know, McCoon's 21. All right, cool. Joven Jones is 29. Uh, LGP is 29 and Figal is 27. And then Dylan is 22. So to me, and you know, I might be going against the grain on this, but again, I'm looking at cutting out one of the older players to ensure that our future is set rather than maybe kind of slipping into that win now mentality. Um, and, and the whole point of bringing in these older players is to give the younger players a good cornerstone to build their foundation off of. And they can't do that if they're not with us. So to me, I think it was a terrible decision. I hope he doesn't prove me wrong. Uh, You know, I I still want him to go out and do well for Nashville, but I'd rather see him doing well in, in uh, drive pink stadium. Yeah, it's tough. He, I think we definitely, got better results on the pitch with Neilis than we did our number one overall pick, which was Robbie, but again, probably due to playing time. Um, you know, this, this one, this one, this hurts. It really does. I hope that maybe down the, the road we could re- reacquire him. I mean, he's going to Nashville, which is one of the strongest defenses you're going to see in major league soccer. We talked about this, I think on the, the, the previous episode, the season review we did with uh, with Max Ramos is that Nashville is such a defensive team that if they can figure out a way to really string in their their attack, they're going to be one of the best teams in the East, if not probably the league. That that pains me to say that because they're kind of our, our twin expansion team there. But I do see why Nashville saw this as a very appealing player because he can really bridge the gap from the back line on up to the attack. So I do think it's going to be a good fit. I just, I wonder how much playing time he will get. That'll be the thing to watch. And as much as I want to really say, I hate it. I'm, I'm still kind of having this blind faith in Neville to where I'm, I'm assuming that he's making the right decisions. Although that could be subject to change in a very short amount of time, depending on results. But yeah, you know, I mean, it's um, it's gonna be uh, gonna be pretty tough. He's one of the players alongside with Brexhay that did not play in the the intra squad scrimmage. Um, but you know, it is what it is, and we must wish you the uh, the best of luck. And and thank you so much. So I'm gonna give you a little sad, a little sad sound. But then I'm gonna give you some applause, baby, because I know you were really a fan favorite, and 
we saw a lot of potential on you. And, uh, you know, who knows what the future holds, but uh, we got to keep it moving around here at the Inner Miami podcast. So let's go ahead and get to some non Inner Miami related news, although it's kind of Inner Miami related because it's going to involve Drive Pink Stadium. But I'm talking about the 2021 CONCACAF Gold Cup, Gold Cup which uh, Drive Pink Stadium will be hosting the preliminary rounds. So, you know, again, we make this this podcast for, for all people on the soccer sphere, football sphere spectrum, whether you're just getting into it or if you've been a diehard uh, hooligan your whole damn life. But the CONCACAF is FIFA's governing body for North America, Central America, the Caribbean, and part of South America. You might have seen some MLS teams playing in the CONCACAF uh, Champions League last week. I think we had the Union, Atlanta, uh, Columbus, and the Timbers who all played. Uh, but basically, this is the the region. It's the same thing, basically, as the UEFA Champions League or the UEFA region in general. It's one of FIFA's governing bodies. So this is a national uh, team game. This is some that the U.S. has not won in a while, but hopefully we can uh, turn that around. But Inter Miami is going to be hosting 12 national teams from the CONCACAF for the Gold Cup preliminary round in July. This is the official start to the Gold Cup, and it will be nice to be able to host such a thing. But the 12 teams will participate. Again, this is the prelims that are basically competing for the final three spots in the 16-team Gold Cup group stage. The six first round matchups that will take place on July 2nd and July 3rd are going to be, and I'm just going to list these off. So these are you know different countries. We have Haiti versus St. Vincent and the Grenadines, Guatemala versus Guyana, Trinidad and Tobago versus Montserrat, Cuba, Cuba versus French Guiana, Guadalupe versus Bahamas and Bermuda versus Barbados. I know of all the Florida listeners, we probably have several that fall into one of those nationalities. So if you do want to go root for your, uh, I guess, original home team national squad, this would be the time to do it. Do not know what the ticket structure will look like. Do not know any of that stuff. Just bring you the good news. We're going to have some International football coming to Fort Lauderdale. Are any of these, I guess, what would be your the game you would be most excited to go to? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I mean, these are small, like, problem. these are the preliminary rounds, right? So, obviously, you're not getting your preferred action, but. Well, and, and with that being said, I would be remiss if I didn't say I'm not too familiar with most of these uh, national teams. Uh, so if I had to pick one, it'd probably be Trinidad and Tobago because I have the most familiarity with that squad. Um, but honestly, any of those matchups w- will be phenomenal. And the reason I say that is it's it's going to allow the South Florida community to flourish for six matchups that they normally wouldn't get a chance to see. And not only just for the CONCACAF Gold Cup prelims, but it's also going to give Inter-Miami and drive pink stadium that kind of stage to say hey 2026 is coming we can do something bigger Mm -hmm. world cups coming around the corner yes sir um and so i'm really excited for these teams to be able to play in such a beautiful stadium i'm excited for the fan bases to get out there and see their teams without having travel overseas to do so um you know across the board uh, not to go on a tangent, but like I said, it, it's just a great thing overall for everybody. 
uh, and hopefully uh, the games pan out to, you know, reward us with such. Um, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully we see some good action. There'll be a lot of culture at these games. I really hope they open it up to fans. I really hope they allow some sort of pregame because, man, there is nothing like a good international football game. But uh, look forward to that coming in July. If you're just completely not aware of what's, I guess, happening in the the soccer sphere, the football sphere is due to the delay and everything for last year, and I mean, still draining over to this year, we're about to enter probably the greatest football gauntlet that you and I have ever experienced in our lives with the MLS, the the, the Champions Leagues, the European Leagues wrapping up. You've got the the Gold Cup, the, the Euro Olympic. Uh, there's going to be so much damn football. It's going to be insane. I cannot wait. Uh, but... As we, uh, you know, get towards the, the, you know, end of our show, we still have a, a little highlight of Fort Lauderdale CF. We do have some other stories we want to bring to you. And this was kind of another haha, LOL, um, <laughs> spoke a little too soon on the last podcast, but we were saying like with all these preseason games getting canceled, why has the team not just got vaccinated to eliminate any of the concerns around COVID-19. And of course, the day that we published the episode, the club announces that Inter Miami players have started receiving the COVID-19 vaccination. So, haha, on our part, or at us rather, but the good news is we're in process. So I would imagine what, probably three more weeks are getting the second shot. And then that's at least going to put, uh, to put to rest a, a big, I think, area of concern moving, moving throughout the, the season. Any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, sorry, I, I was trying not to cough in your ear. That's my fault. You're good. You're uh, good. You, you know. I'll edit it out just, just as if you were picking up on, on what I was saying. I'll, I'll yeah, absolutely. This. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited they're getting the COVID vaccine. You know, it's about time that these guys get it. I'm also thrilled that they did not force, or I shouldn't say force, but I hope they, I'm glad that they, did not jump ahead of those who needed it most. I am um, okay with them getting it now, now that we know that the bulk of the folks who needed it most got it. And hopefully this will prevent any delay in our season from going forward. I hope so as well. I, I think this would, would hopefully alleviate any games getting canceled throughout the season because that's kind of a nightmare. You know, as like last season went on with all the canceled games and teams trying to catch up and get all the games played. Hard to tell where the table of the league is actually at when people haven't played the, the same amount of games. But, you know, some to, I guess, at least put to, put to bed a little bit of the worries. And then uh, other, you know, big news, which I'm, I'm, I'm actually you know pretty damn excited about this, is Inter-Miami has hired uh, Chavi Arsensi, who is a former uh, Barcelona executive, to be chief business Officer, this one is, uh, I, I was really, really happy about this. So, uh, a new acquisition, not a player, but we're still going to shout him out. Another one, Inter Miami, man, just continuing its impressive overhaul, uh, the off season overhaul of the front office. And, uh, yeah, he was previously Barcelona's, um, chief commercial officer, full name, uh, Xavier Hasensi, uh, 
I'm, I'm assuming it's Xavier because he goes by Xavi, at least uh, X-A-V-I. Uh, but he's been working with the team as a consultant for a few months now, and uh, he just joined uh, full-time, which is great to see. He's going to be in a similar role as far as, like, chief business, chief commercial officer, but he spent 10 years with Barcelona. If you know anything about the golden standard of top level football, then you know that this is a massive deal. You know Barcelona is just an oligarch, one of the best clubs out there. Uh, and Jorge Moss had some very positive things to say. Javi brings a proven record of success at one of the world's greatest clubs, and his vision will further drive the growth of our club and support our local, our local and commercial partnerships but i mean just the the team we are lining up this offseason has been very impressive i know you and i both don't like barcelona for obvious reasons but what do you think about this little steal from their front office i gotta admit this one excites me a little bit um and i think you're kind of underselling how big this is for the club uh across the 10 years of him being at barcelona he started out at a pro- as a project manager and then worked his way up the ladder to chief commercial officer. Uh, he, he, that doesn't just happen just because you, you go in and do your job. You go in and, and you get things done and you do what you're, needs you're to crushing. get done. Like you're at a high level if you're, if you're moving that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, just to give you a little bit of highlights real quick. Um, he actually graduated Stanford. So, you know, he's, he's got a good head on his shoulders. He was actually the one who initiated the first outside office for Barcelona and started that. I believe it was in Hong Kong. Um, Somewhere and then, Asia, yeah. yeah, it was out that way. And then he got promoted again immediately to global commercial director. And this is all within like four to five years of each other. So he's he's rapidly moving. And then the big thing for him, which is a lot, is what a lot of clubs fail to do, is he manages money. For three years, he was the one who managed all of Barcelona's incoming revenue, I believe, from um, av- or ads and sponsorships and whatnot. Um, at the time he left, they were the highest revenue-generating club in the world, or at least amongst the top. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had been, uh, it looks like they had been doing that since about 2018, 2019, 2020. So for three years, and then this year they were still on top when he left. Now, is there any coincidence that, you know, he was working for us as a consultant and now Barcelona find themselves in a bunch of financial troubles, or is that all just due to COVID-19? I mean, look across the world, everybody from, uh, you know, Barcelona to your local U6 is facing issues because mm-hmm. of COVID. Um, you know, Barca also has some other issues going on, which is widely publicized on any footballing website, and I'm not going to get into it. But I, I ultimately believe that it's not his fault, or at least not to his knowing. Um, I, I personally believe that this is going to be a major key signing that will continue to lay down that great foundation for future success. Yeah. No, I wasn't saying it was his fault. I was saying they were just hurting because he left. I'm, I'm going to like to think that he's going to bring great, great things to uh, to our club. So, uh, again, Javi, welcome aboard, my man. We're happy to have you. Now, wrapping up, as promised, with our expert over here, Than. The season did kick off for Fort Lauderdale CF on Saturday. 
we were both watching this game. I think we had some takeaways initially that we were very happy about in our what first half kind of halftime conversations. And maybe that sentiment faded out a little bit towards the second half. But give us a breakdown of, of what happened on Saturday. All right. Well, you know, I was I was just happy to see the stadium on TV. I gotta be honest, like <laughs> ain't that right? I, I, I almost kicked my family out of the living room just so I could have a moment to myself where it was just me, the TV, the stadium. Um, but, you know, the ball kicked off and the team, it looked different. The Fort Lauderdale just looked different. And you could tell that the culture has changed amongst not just Inter-Miami, but Fort Lauderdale and the academy by how they went out and attacked. They were playing through the wings. I got to say, uh, Noah Allen and Lou Young were strong in that first half they continued to push and push but unlike your stereotypical winger they also came back and helped out their left back right back uh, partners which is what the team's going to need um alan had a beautiful free kick that unfortunately was uh denied and uh you know lou young continued to cross the ball in for hundal as kona and as acosta just we couldn't get it in the back of the net uh, speaking of Escona and Acosta, they made an appearance for Fort Lauderdale, and they really set the tempo through the middle. Mm-hmm. Uh, the team was clicking on all gears. Uh, the Revs did not have an answer for what Fort Lauderdale was pushing up the field. Uh, and whenever they lost the ball, and this is the thing that made me the most happy out of all of us, immediate press. It was an immediate high press, get the ball back, uh, eliminate the time the Revs had to make a decision on the ball, and forced them into a mistake. Unfortunately, as I already said, this did not lead to a goal in the first half. Um, what was your takeaway from the first half? Allen was great. That was my, my my initial takeaway was he was all over the place. He was making some some quality plays. It was nice to see Ascona out there just really getting more prep time for you know the Inter-Miami first team season. Um, but yeah, no, we seem to really be controlling the game, moving the ball, keeping possession and, and really orchestrating what I think they wanted to go out there and, and execute. But, uh, well, that quickly changed after the, uh, the second half. Why don't you, why don't you give us your thoughts on that? Yeah. So in the second half, uh, we took our Maserati into the dealership and left with the Toyota Sienna. Uh, I mean, as Kona and the Costa came off and it was like, we lost the heartbeat in the team. Um, I'm happy they were subbed off so we can see them later down the road with the first team, but it was very clear that the lack of familiarity between the teammates that came on with the team that was on the field led to dysfunction in the middle of the field, which then put more uh, pressure on Allen and Young. What was your thoughts on that? What, What was your thoughts on possibly uh, you know, maybe leaving one of the two on. Are you happy they came off? What do you think? Um, so it's kind of split. Like that's kind of where we where things started to change first. But I also don't want to risk an injury to uh, specifically as Kona, but also for uh, Georgia Costa because they're both played for the first team. But yeah, I mean things changed. They ended up. I mean, getting a goal it wasn't like an absolute domination, but it just wasn't a domination of Fort Lauderdale rather, but it just, we didn't have the same grip on the game that, that we started the first half with. So to see that was a little worrisome because 
you know, they're not going to have Escona or, or Acosta at their disposal for every game of the season. So to see struggles with, with them no longer with the team, a little bit concerning. But again, it's very early, you know, first game back. So hard to really give a uh, give an absolute, I guess, judgment of the team. But first half, definitely more impressive. We'll be looking to get more back into to that playing style versus the, the latter. Yeah. I, I agree hundred percent. And, you know, I think it was either, if you were following the inner Miami podcast, Twitter, I was live tweeting as best I could. Uh, it might've either been on there or to you, Jay, where I said, there is too much standing around once those two came off. Yeah. There was not the fluidity, not the movement. There was not. Um, but I digress 50 minute, uh, Ryan Sierkowski notched one in. Now there's a caveat to this. Zamudio made a fantastic save and that continues to get overlooked. I, I actually jumped off my couch because I couldn't believe he got in a position to get the save. And then the back line let him down by not clearing it. It mm. was like, uh, it was like a, no, you clear it. No, you clear it. No, no, no you should clear it. Nobody wanted and to have the ball. No, nobody wanted it. And then Zamudio was put in a bad spot. And I saw a lot of frustration towards Zamudio letting that goal in, but he did the best he could. He had to get quickly reset and he honestly he didn't he didn't have a chance um mm. the back line let him down uh hundal then after that goal went up and within the course of play had two fantastic opportunities including one that i think was just him the goalkeeper and the post yeah and he yeah missed both i mean that required um, a lot of like a quick reaction to to yeah. accurately strike he was just trying to get anything on it and yeah it, it didn't didn't go our way yeah, I mean, that that type of reaction is something you see out of, like, a, a Cavani, who, like, mm-hmm. his head just snaps and the ball's in the back of the net. Mm-hmm. Um, immediately after that, he got replaced by Raggio. Uh, Raggio, unfortunately, he chose to airmail a shot rather than sending it priority ground. Um, it was a beautiful it was a beautiful opportunity if he just would have pulled the trigger first time. It, it was first game jitters. It was this. It was that. And, and I want those of you listening to know I'm not ragging on anybody. I'm just, you know, a lot of this stuff, this game could have gone a different way if we just would have had that killer mentality. Mm-hmm. And for those of you who listened to me last time I was on the pod, I said, Fort Lauderdale, if they want to have a better season, they need to find the clinical finishing, which was proven to not show in this game. Um you know, and then later on, we had a beautiful free kick opportunity, and the Revs' twelfth man, Mother Nature, came in, lightning delay, which took the air out of play. I honestly felt Jay, we were going to get a goal in that situation with, with how the buildup was working. The team was starting to click again. What were your thoughts around that time? I mean, it was tough. You, you never want to see that, right? It's, it's such a horrible time to get a to get a weather delay because it's not really enough time to get back into your your groove and everything. So that definitely impacted the team, and yeah, uh, they the momentum is definitely shifting in their in their favor. But right when that happens, you know, it's where we live in South Florida, and um, that uh, that rain and that lightning will come out of nowhere. It's been a very dry year so far, only, but of course, when we're all wanting it to remain dry, that, that's when it will not. Yeah, and and you could see immediately after that free kick was shambolically delivered towards the goal. Uh, you could see the air just kind of go out of the team, and I think I I reached out to you at that point and said, "Well, that's it." You know, it and it's sad to say that, but you can tell just by body language when all eleven people on the field just 
kind of slump their shoulders back yep. and, and lose that edge. Um, but with all the negatives, there was a lot of positives. Ethan Harden looked great. His brother got a start. Um, you know, no Allen, Lou Young. Those were uh, my co-men of the match. Um, and uh, Zamudio. I mean, again, we were talking about what they're going to do with keepers and how we're signing keepers left and right for the first team. But for the first game against a decent rev squad, I'm happy with what Zamudio brought to the table. Uh, so all in all, yes, they lost. Yes, I sound like a Debbie Downer over here, but there was a lot of good things to take away from that match. And hopefully they can turn it around and build off of it because honestly, Hundal should have had at least three and this game could have easily been five, one. Um, but Hey, luck of the draw on that. Unfortunately, congrats to the revs for the first win and we'll turn around and make the best in our next game. That's how it goes. Sometime it'd be like that. But now you are all up to date with all relevant inter Miami news. We uh, are not going to do a, a really in-depth preview of the, the LA Galaxy game. We did do that um, really in our season preview uh, last episode with Max Rama. So if you want to hear, I guess, the, the more finite details of that, go ahead and check that out. Um, but, you know, real quick, bud, what, what are your predictions for this game? What, what do you see the, the scoreline being? You know, not to quote Barstool or anything, but, you know, enter Miami by a million. What do you think? <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, uh, it's going to be tough. It depends on if Chicharito of old shows up or if he continues his run of form. Uh, I would sit here and say we will I'll, – I'll go 2-1 enter Miami. How about yourself? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm probably going in just like 1-0 one, one enter Miami. Um, I don't want to overshoot like I did last season. I'm going to try and be realistic, but they are struggling. Uh, now, we have had our struggles, but uh, they're definitely, I think, still in a rush, rough patch. I think we made those adjustments to to, uh, to go ahead and get the W. But, um, yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens, baby. We're, we're, we're here. It'll be really close. I'll be out there Sunday. Cannot wait for everything. Uh, but, yeah, everyone, you're up to date. Cannot wait to see everyone out there on Sunday, wherever you're watching. Enjoy the game. Fan, uh, pleasure having you on again, sir. We'll be doing many, many more of these. Uh, but again, this is the Inner Miami Podcast. If you don't already, check us out on social media, Facebook, uh, Instagram, at Inner Miami Podcast, Twitter, at InterMIA Podcast. And if you're so inclined, go ahead and leave us a, a nice five-star review on Apple Music. But, sir... All good things must come to an end, including this episode. And as we leave every single episode, vamos Miami. Vamos Miami. There we go. Be good, everyone. <laughs>